Okay, welcome back to the EM Stud Podcast. This is your EMED coach, Dr. Scott Wieters, with another hot episode. So we're wrapping up the month of August already, and we've just been given an update from the Coalition for Physician Accountability on their recommendations for the 2021-22 residency interview season, which is coming up soon. These recommendations are a part of a response of the COVID-19 Delta variant surge, for which I am actively fighting right now in the ER while Dr. Lewis is recording this podcast. (laughs) But seriously, it also reflects a desire to ensure equity and the well-being of our applicants. So to learn more about this recently released statement, we've got some of our own clerkship directors in emergency medicine leadership to share their thoughts on virtual interviews for the upcoming application season. Hey, Nate, take it away. Welcome back to the EM Stud Podcast. I am with some uh, very special guests today to discuss some recent news that has just come out this last Wednesday. We'll get to that in a second, but uh, first, let's just jump in and introduce our guests. My name is Sharon Board, and I am really excited to be here with you all. I am the president-elect of CDEM. I am on faculty at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, uh, and I run the student programs there. Hi, I'm Nicole Dubosh. I'm the current president of CDEM. I'm on faculty at Harvard Medical School and Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, where I'm the director of undergraduate medical education. Great. Well, thank you both so much for being on the podcast. And I should mention on such short notice, I think I emailed you both what yesterday or the the day before, and you both graciously agreed to to come on the the podcast. Um, If you don't mind, something uh, that we often ask our guests is just why you chose emergency medicine, why you felt like that was a good career for you. Um, I decided to go into emergency medicine after doing my rotation during my fourth year. Uh, I was one of those students who did all of my rotations and loved something different about all of them. And when I did my emergency medicine rotation, for me, it kind of clicked. And I realized that this was going to be an opportunity for me to work with patients who have ankle sprains, all the way to patients who are very critically ill. And it was going to also allow me to do some procedural skills uh, along the way. And I also really love being able to form bonds with patients very quickly. So for me, those were the few reasons that I chose to go into emergency medicine. Yeah, similar to Sharon, um, I kind of liked a lot of different aspects of different specialties in medical school. And when I did my EM rotation, actually had an elective in my third year, it just clicked and that felt right. I really like the management of the undifferentiated patient. I like, you know, seeing the patient as they come in, figuring out what's going on. I like procedures. I like the medical aspects and I like the variety. Another thing I really liked, you know, the team approach and I like working directly with nurses and techs and consultants and everybody right there at the bedside. Um, And that for me is something that's been really fulfilling throughout my career. I've also always had an inkling to go into medical education and EM seems like a great place for student learners at all different levels in medical school. So that kind of fulfilled that, um, that desire of mine as well. Well, clearly you both are accomplished physicians, but you're also uh, quite involved in medical education, which brings us back to this organization, CDEM. Um, and uh, for some of our listeners who may be newer to the podcast, could I ask one of you maybe to describe from your view what CDEM is, what, what CDEM uh, can offer uh, our students? 
Yeah, so CDEM is the premier national organization for medical students and undergraduate medical education and emergency medicine. It's actually the first academy of SAM, and it's really expanded over the past year since it came into existence. Um, CDEM advocates both for students in emergency medicine as well as those of us who are educating students in EM. Um, so over the past year, CDEM has done a lot with other organizations and partnerships like CORD and EMRA to update guidelines on things like away rotations and virtual interviews and requirements for program application in the setting of, you know, the recent changes brought forth by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, over this past year, there's been actually several consensus statements with these other organizations, most recently in March of this year, that have given guidance on away rotations, specifically in the number of slows for applying to EM due to some adjustments that had to be made. Um, CDEM's also been part of the slow committee to make some changes to the existing slow and develop the O-slow for other specialties based on consensus recommendations from program directors and clerkship directors. CDEM also puts on webinars for faculty and students and has partnered with other organizations to do this. Um, most recently, we're starting to develop an, what we call an orphan advising program in order to connect those students at medical schools that lack a home emergency medicine rotation with EM faculty who are advisors in the specialty and really to provide opportunities to these students and kind of level the playing field and promote equity for all those who are pursuing a career in emergency medicine. Yeah, and one thing that I love about CDEM and uh, as I've gotten involved over the years is really seeing how the medical educators uh, interact with one another and really bounce ideas off of one another. And this has been so important over the last, like Nicole was saying, year and a half since COVID started, uh, how we all work together to really advocate for students and always have the students' best interests at heart. So let's turn back to uh, the topic at hand for this episode, which is uh, sort of breaking news in, in a lot of ways. Uh, the Coalition for Physician Accountability released a statement uh, this past Wednesday, um, August uh, 25th, I believe, regarding uh, the upcoming application cycle, the, the interview cycle, and, and whether or not that's going to be uh, virtual or not. So can I ask one of you to help us out with what COPA is and, and what's in this statement? Yeah, so COPA stands for the Coalition for Physician Accountability. And this is essentially a cross-organizational group composed of a bunch of different organizations and societies that are involved in medical education, um, including the AAMC, the AACOM, the American Board of Medical Specialties, the ACGME, the NRMP, just to name a few. Um, it was established in 2009, and it was developed to promote professional accountability by improving the quality, efficiency, and continuity of education and training and assessment of physicians. Um, I think many of us, me included, you know, became familiar with COPA when they released their first statement last year regarding the residency application cycle. And I think, you know, a lot of us, this is the statement that was released this week um, really brought a lot of clarity to some of the questions that we've all been having about virtual ro uh, rotations. And it's kind of, I think, you know, set the ground for the upcoming residency cycle. I think it's also important to keep in mind, and the COPA statement really highlights this, uh, again, that this goal of the statement is to advocate for students as well. Uh, and they also note that, like Nicole was saying, they have individuals from so many different specialties uh, represented here to make sure that everyone's interests get heard in these statements. 
So the uh, the first recommendation here, which I, I think is something that a lot of students, at least you know, from my experience talking to students, have really been curious about, uh, is how are we going to do interviews this year? Is it going to be entirely virtual like last year, or is it going to be hybrid, or just what in the world was going to happen? Um, and so here in their first recommendation, they're actually recommending that all interviews be conducted virtually. So, you know, with that in mind, what do students really need to know about this in order to prepare uh, to do this effectively? Yeah, so I think, you know, this pretty much answers our question. And again, if you read the full statement, it's about four pages long, it kind of explains the rationale for this. Um, they're recommending that all vir- all interviews for residency programs are virtual this year. And they do kind of defer, you know, they say this is a recommendation for the institutions. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how, how institutions follow this. But my guess is the, the vast majority will, will probably abide by this and go virtual. Um, and if you kind of read their rationale for it, they're hoping that, you know, especially with this Delta variant, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Um, the, the hope for making this, this statement and this recommendation is is that we're going to minimize public health risks um, from travel to different regions, given that there's a lot of variability in the COVID hotspots, and also to you know to mitigate the inequity that stems from this um, with the geographic variations and the pandemic impact, and then finally to provide applicants and their advisors and programs with you know some guidance to promote consistency and also just decrease anxiety for for everyone involved because there's a lot there have been a lot of unknowns up until this point i think your question was what should the students expect uh, as well so um you know the statement is saying that all the interviews will be conducted virtually and the good news for students who are applying this application cycle is that this has already been done last year so the residency programs have experience running this uh, and for the most part majority of places have really been able to get out some of the kinks with this last year. I think that um, as far as what students uh, should expect or what they should do to prepare, there are a few kind of key things that students should keep in mind when they're getting ready to do their virtual interviews. Um, I think that thing number one, uh, and this is what I think is one of the most important things, and it can sometimes be challenging for students, is making sure that you have good and adequate Wi-Fi. Uh, It can be very frustrating when you are interviewing someone uh, when, you know, the Wi-Fi signal is is not ideal and you're kind of going in and out and not able to hear everything that the applicant is saying. Now, there are ways that we can remedy it. And obviously, people understand that there are issues that come up. So I had an issue at some point last year when I was doing virtual interviews uh, where my computer just wouldn't hold a charge at all. So it constantly was shutting off. <laughs> that was a big issue. And everyone was understanding and we were able to work it out. And um, uh, so everyone understands that things do in fact come up. The other important thing is to make sure that you're in a quiet place uh, and that you're in a place with good lighting. Uh, sometimes a ring light or another device to help light your face will be helpful. Uh, sometimes an external microphone may also be helpful, depending upon what kind of device that you're using, uh, in order, again, to make sure that you can be seen and that you can be heard effectively. And then uh, lastly, you also want to make sure that you're dressed appropriately for your virtual interviews. Uh, and everyone recommends that you wear appropriate clothing on both the top and the bottom, <laughs> uh, rather than just wearing a suit, uh, jacket or something on top. And the reason for that is because you never know if you could stand up or someone could maybe get a shot of your, of your, uh, lower half during the zoom interviews. 
Yeah. And I think those are all great points, Sharon. I'll also echo, you know, um, the statement actually says that medical school should provide some guidance and offer technical support and space for students who need to conduct interviews virtually on campus. I think I'm actually really glad to see that in there. I told a lot of my students last year, you know, if your Wi-Fi connection at home isn't great, if you have roommates, if you have dogs or children or something that could be distracting, see if your medical school will let you reserve a room and use their Wi-Fi so you can at least eliminate all those factors that may be distracting in the interview. And then I think, you know, I tell students it's it's similar to, a, to an in-person interview. You want to, you know, prepare, you want to sleep well, you want to have, you know, your, your kind of responses to the typical questions you're going to get. Why emergency medicine? Why this program? You want to have good eye contact. And I think in some ways, this is somewhat easier to control when you're on Zoom and a, you know, a, a screen as opposed to 3D in person where you have to be on all day that you're in that, that institution or department for, you know, six to eight hours. I am so happy to hear that I was not the only one who had computer issues while conducting interviews last year. That was quite a, quite, quite a learning curve on my end. Uh, but as, so as you mentioned, um, you know, it is reassuring, I think, that programs have done this before. The virtual interview environment is not completely new to us now. Uh, but if I could flip that around, let me just ask your thoughts about, you know, how, how are students uh, going to evaluate programs? Because that's an important piece of this, too. How, how do they know if a program is a good fit? That's a great question. And I do think that is one of the things that is a little bit or can be a little bit lost when you're doing a virtual interview, because so much of going on the interview uh, trail in the past has been that you get to see the city, the place where you could potentially live. And there is some element of spontaneity that does exist when you're sitting in a room with someone versus sitting on a Zoom screen with them. I think that a lot of programs this year are offering informal events uh, virtually, which are opportunities for you to really get to talk to the residents, to talk with them in an informal setting where you're, you know, you're not gonna be asked a hard question. Uh, it's an opportunity to ask them about the culture of the program, to ask them about what they, you know, what is there to do for fun in that area. And I think that's one of the best ways to kind of get to know a program. I also think that a lot of programs have really up their social media presence in this setting. Uh, going on Instagram or Twitter can be a really good opportunity to get to know a little bit about what the residents are doing, but sometimes there's information about what the faculty are doing, what they're publishing, what they're interested in. Uh, and I think that the social media aspect is a nice way to get to know a program outside of just their website, which can sometimes be a little bit more formal or not necessarily have as much um, you know, information about the social aspects of the program. Are either of you aware of any uh, additional resources, perhaps, to help our, our students other than, um, you know, of course, CDEM is a, is a tremendous resource, but uh, there are other organizations perhaps working on some things, too, is my understanding. Yeah, so the AMC does have some resources that are out there for students who are interviewing, and I would say they have the most um, kind of formalized guide, the most detailed guide that does exist. We're really hoping that we're going to be able to get an emergency medicine-specific guide out for our students. Much of the information will be similar to what the AMC guide is saying, uh, but just so we are really making sure we're reaching out and getting information to the emergency medicine students uh, and hopefully an advising group within uh, CORD as well as CDEM will be able to release that information in the next few weeks. Great. Well, moving on to the um, second recommendation, there's actually two recommendations in this statement. Um, the second recommendation is to, of course, increase our understanding uh, of virtual interviewing sort of along the, you know, the quality improvement uh, lines of thinking here. 
Um, what have we learned from last year? What can you tell me about uh, your thoughts and experiences and, and your general sense of how it went? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we can all say we've adapted to the Zoom culture and for better or for worse over the past 18 months. And I think we've all just through experience kind of gained a better understanding of how to interact and, and you know, how to present clearly on Zoom and whatnot. Um, I think, you know, from a program perspective and from my own personal experience this past year, I think, you know, we we had a match. We had a successful match. We have students going into emergency medicine at programs throughout the country who are, you know, as we see them now, they're succeeding as interns. And I think it's just to kind of like relieve everyone's anxiety. The process has already happened before. Um, we're going to continue to make improvements and figure out what works and what doesn't. And it's just kind of a reality of our times right now. Um, I think, you know, some of the major issues that are highlighted in the, the second recommendation here and some of the considerations are, you know, we need to actually do some rigorous research here to figure out um, how does a virtual interview affect recruitment and affect things down the road in terms of career choice satisfaction that's affected specifically by things like specialty and geographic location. Um, you know, one of the issues that comes up is, is bias and whether or not there's more bias when we're conducting an interview virtually due to a number of factors, such as the environment or the applicant characteristics, and to outline best practices to mitigate bias and, and conduct these interviews. You know, another topic that's come up is the cost savings analysis of virtual versus in-person and kind of the impact on the match rate. I think it's pretty obvious that students are going to be saving money or not spending as much money as they would have in years past where you have to fly to various cities across the country and pay for hotel costs and transportation and all of that. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting as we as we start to look at this and compare to prior years, is there a benefit in this and do, do the benefits outweigh the costs and vice versa? The other thing that I think is really interesting, and those are great points, Nicole, is looking at this almost like the stress level of virtual interviews versus in-person interviews. And I think that at least running a rotation, you know, within the medical school during interview season in past years has been very hard for the students, not just emergency medicine applying students, but for all students, because they have to fly places. And if you're interviewing on the West Coast, it takes at least, you know, a couple of days, you know, to go there, to come back. Uh, and it was actually very disruptive to our medical students. And I think in a certain way, virtual interviews have been a little bit less stressful for the students uh, because they don't have to deal with all of the anxiety and stress about travel. I don't know about any of uh, about you, Nate, or you, Nicole, if anyone had a canceled flight or lost luggage during their interview season. <laughs> but there's definitely a lot of you know, unpredictable things that can happen that can sometimes cause more stress than um, you know, just having to be on Zoom. So I, I have to ask just your own personal opinion. Um, do you think virtual interviews might be here to stay? That's a really good question. Um, I think a lot of these organizations that are invested in student interest and, and educator interest are going to be looking at this really closely. Um, that's one of the reasons why I think it's important to do some, some rigorous research to see the, the long-term effects. Um, 
you know, I think there, there are certainly have been discussions, especially when we're looking at this from an equity standpoint, you know, kind of in the immediate right now, the focus is on all these different hotspots and geographical variability with COVID and local regulations regarding travel and the fact that these can be changing at any time. Um, that's an equity issue for students, you know, across the country who would be traveling to different regions. But also thinking more long term, you know, the equity of the ability to travel and fund travel and, you know, be able to go see a city and have the means to, to spend more time there and connect with residents and the program, et cetera. Um, and I think, you know, we've heard a little bit about this when it comes to away rotations as well. And I think, you know, it might be for the better in some ways to, to level the playing field. Now, the counterpoint to that is, you know, as a student, can you actually really get a feel and you're, you're making the decision to potentially move across country or to a new geographic location for three or four years of your life? Um, and is it important to, to go actually see the place and get that in-person feel that you can't always get on Zoom in order to make this big, important life decision? So I think these are some of the issues that are weighing on different organizations and, and educators and those of us, you know, and those who make these recommendations. So I think we're going to hear a lot more about this in, in the upcoming years. Yeah, I agree with all those points. I think Nicole highlighted very clearly the advantages and disadvantages. And I do think that over the next few years doing research in this area, which is highlighted in that COPA statement, uh, will definitely be key in determining whether or not virtual interviews will be something that stays around versus going back to in-person interviews. Awesome. Well, wh whether or not we stick with virtual interviews or not, I, I just have to say that um, for me personally, it's been so incredibly gratifying to see our specialty um, adapt not just to COVID as the disease, but also in, in our medical education delivery and uh, now also in supporting our students throughout the uh, residency application process. Do either of you have any additional tips perhaps for uh, our applicants this year? Um, I think the one tip is obviously this situation uh, with COVID, with med your medical school career being interrupted has been fraught with anxiety, right? And we really want you to know that as medical educators, that we are on your side. We want you to be successful uh, and we want you to um, understand that even though things are ever changing um, and it seems that way to you probably as students uh, that your medical school journey has been a little bit of a moving target to really try and, um, you know, have fun with the process, uh, really get to know the residents, have a good time, uh, you know, during this journey of residency application. Um, and I think that those would be the main things. Try and stress a little bit less. I know that it's hard uh, and have a little bit more fun with the process. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, just like with in-person interviews, I think it's really, really important for your own confidence to practice. And in some ways, actually, I think it, this is certainly true. It's easier to practice now that they're virtual. Everyone can get a Zoom. You can record a Zoom meeting as you're as you're doing it. So then you can go back and watch yourself and see if you have, you know, any kind of mannerisms that may be kind of nervous habits or see how you're looking at the camera and speaking clearly and rehearse some of your answers. Um, so I'd recommend, you know, 
instead of having to go in person at your school, schedule something with the advising session, you can get you know an advisor to Zoom in or a friend or a family member to just go back and forth on Zoom, record the meeting, rehearse these questions, and then go back and, and watch yourself and kind of critique yourself. Um, the other thing I'll say, I think you know for this class, your best resource and best group to go to for tips are the current interns in emergency medicine because they just did this last year. So they are the only group right now who can share from the applicant experience how it was and what worked and what didn't work. You know, we as faculty, we interviewed from the other side so we can give our tips from that perspective. But from the applicant perspective, I'd say talk to the EM interns at your institution or if you don't have an EM program, reach out to some other institutions and, and get in touch. And I think as Sharon had said easier, social media makes this a lot easier to do today. Well, I want to thank you both so much for uh, coming onto the podcast. Please, please feel free to come back at any time uh, to talk about whatever it is that CDEM's up to or any other topics that you feel are relevant. But uh, on behalf of our, our students, I want to thank you again for, for coming on and sharing your thoughts. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Well, that was such a great episode, and thank you so much for listening to the EMSTUD podcast. A formal link to the COPA recommendations mentioned can be found in our show notes at www.emstud.com, as well as links to other previous episodes on ERAS applications, personal statements, interviewing tips, and basically how to be an EMSTUD. If you'd like to learn more about our parent organization, the Clerkship Directors in Emergency Medicine, and the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine, please visit www.saem.org slash cdem. You can also follow us on Twitter. I tweet out at emedcoach, and Dr. Nate tweets out at erdrn8. Go ahead and check out more of our podcasts wherever you download your podcast. And finally, good luck and best wishes to all of our awesome students out there getting ready to embark on yet another unique, yet no doubt successful residency application season. Rotate well, my friends. Mm-hmm.